Welcome to Keep It Real, a podcast hosted by Steve Curran, where we cut the fluff and just deliver you the gold nuggets. Hey everyone, welcome back uh, to another podcast. Today we're going to be covering our NADA tour. We just got back from Dallas, Texas, um, and we joined a whole heap of dealers over there and suppliers, and we brought you back the best bits of information to share with you, to share with everybody out there. Um, we invested the time and the money to get over there, and it was just a really, really quick, quick trip. Uh, it was only actually six six nights we were there for. Um, it was just a straight over to Dallas and straight back, a 17-hour flight, but it was definitely worth the investment. Uh, we went over there because we don't want to stay comfortable. Last year was a pretty good year for everybody. We experienced about 20% growth in, that growth in our company. And I know out there in dealership land, if you are in a dealership, that sales and um, service growth was, was quite strong, particularly uh, the front end growth on the metal on, on the cars. We wanted to grab some new ideas, which we definitely have got, and we wanted to create and see what other new opportunities out there. Because you know, if you're doing the same old thing, you're always gonna get the same old result. And the market is always shifting. And if you're not out there hunting and gathering and picking up those little nu- uh, nuggets out there, how are you going to improve your team and how are you going to improve your business and how are you going to inspire everyone to sort of go that extra mile and do those extra things that it takes to get in front and stay in front of, the, of, of your competition? Because no doubt someone is out there right now trying to nick deals from your service department, nick deals from your sales department. They're trying to take your staff and they're out there trying to improve their businesses. Now, it might be as hardcore as that, but reality is our staff are our most precious investment in our dealerships. And we need to be protecting that by investing in what we do do in our businesses and our systems and our processes and our staff and our customer care. So look, we picked up all that information. Uh, the other great thing we did was we did a dealership visit to Southwest Ford. Um, and on the back of that, then we did two days of workshops, which were pretty intense, a bit hard at night going out and, um, you know, uh, networking and which is code for, you know, having beers after after dinner and uh, and uh, not only beers, but some uh, vodkas as well. Uh, not too many because you're up in early in the morning, you're, you know, you're up at 6 and 7 a.m. to get out there, to get to the workshops by 9 o'clock. But it's amazing when you go out and you invest and you take people with you on these tours, take your, t- uh, your managers with you and your staff members, that the adrenaline just keeps running. Um, but geez, I'll tell you what you do feel that once you finish, uh, you, you certainly crash out on that flight coming back to Australia. And then the last thing we did was a trade haul. So, look, we're going to jump straight into it. We've got a lot to share with you. Um, we've uh, summarised the hot points and the key points for you just to give you those little gold nuggets that, you know, that, that you can take away. And um, so, look, first thing we did was day one, we visited a dealership out uh, out in Texas. Dealership's called Southwest Ford. They also had Nissan there as well. And what we did was um, we rocked up, there was a hundred of us that rocked up on that because they had other, other people come on the tour. So imagine this, two big black coaches pull up this big driveway of this Texas dealership. The frontage is just massive out there because the land, the real estate is just, it's just so expanse. Um, and you know, I think the cost of real estate definitely in Texas versus um, the metro areas in Australia, there's gotta be a significant difference because for the vehicles they turn over, and I thought they were going to be turning over a thousand cars a month. They're only turning over a couple of hundred cars a month, but the dealerships are like three and four times bigger because obviously 
the cost of land is, is definitely cheaper. So look, we rocked up, got out of the coaches, walked up to the showroom, and there was a managers and there was another guy there lined up and they're shaking our hands as we're walking in. And this guy was saying, oh, hi, how, how are you? My name's Charlie Gilchrist. And kept, he shook everyone's hand that walked in the dealership. So I try and paint the picture here. They had all the tables set out and everything like that. And, uh, and like, like a main event sale, but the tables were pretty big. You put 10 or 12 people on there. We all sat down at these tables and we filled up the showroom. This guy gets up on the podium. They had it all set up, had a mic and all that there. And he goes, how, how are you, everyone? He said, I'm Charlie Gilchrist. I'm the owner here of Southwest Ford. So straight away from the get-go, you felt that, felt that great welcoming, uh, the culture, because the guy that owns a joint, he didn't have to do this. He didn't have to stand at the front and meet and greet every single person that come off that coach. But he went out of his way and did that, and so did his management team. And that set the stage for the culture and the DNA that runs through our dealership from top to bottom and it wasn't fake and it wasn't phony. And for you guys and girls that go out there and do visit other dealerships, isn't it so true that you can feel a, um, a dealership that's got that really good culture? Uh, it was evident in Charlie Gilchrist Southwest Ford dealership. We felt it, we felt it, and, um, and talking to a lot of people that went on the tour afterwards, they definitely felt it and wrote about it on LinkedIn. And so what the setup was, they broke us up into groups of 20. So it was about five groups and they had all their managers prepped from sales, service and parts. So instead of just walking around the dealership aimlessly, you know, just checking things out, they broke us in groups of 20. Then they had their sales managers together with their GSM, service managers and some service advisors and then and the parts guy as well. So in sales, we walked out to the back of the, the sales area and they, they took us in a bit of a boardroom. They had, you know, their sales managers there and the GSM. And they just basically ran through what their day looks like, what the challenges that they have. And, um, you know, just, just the normal stuff that we do in Australia, like when we have people visit our, our sites. And then they turned it over to a Q&A. So that was cool because that made it a bit more uh, three-dimensional. So we could fire a few questions at them. And we're talking about, you know, how do you go with staff retention? How do you attract new people into your business? What do your volumes look like? What do your grosses look like? Um, what's an average day look like to you? And no surprises, it was basically the same, uh, you know, bits of information that when I go out to dealerships and I'm sitting with sales or service or parts to pump, it was basically the same sort of information coming back. Interesting enough, we asked about EV vehicles and the Ford, the GSM threw over the Ford guy and he said, you know, I'll throw over to, you know, whatever his name was, um, Tom, or uh, I can't quite remember, but, he said, EV vehicles, we can't really open the doors on them. He said, I've got three um, EV Mustangs out there and we haven't opened the doors on those any of those cars and we've had we had the cars in stock for four months. So that was his quick synopsis about EDV, uh, EV vehicles. So uh, we went to service, a, um, uh, spoke about the service and the guest experience of service and they, how they try and slow the, the customer down when they drop their car off and they're pumping this information about how they always do a walk around with the iPad, just trying to get the guests involved as they drop the car off. But what they're focused on is trying to spend at least seven minutes with everyone, every guest that drops their car off. And they said the benefit of that, that is it builds a lot of trust and respect and rapport with the customer. So it helps build loyalty and gets the customer coming back into the dealership. But they said what they also did was when they rang back halfway through the day, when they, they found some things wrong with the customer's car, it made it a lot easier to do the upsell because the rapport and the trust was already built from the get-go. 
Now, talking to some dealers back in Australia, they said, look, that's all good. And I said, look, do you do this? And they said, well, we don't do it as good as we can because, you know, we got a lot of customers rocking up at, you know, 7.30 in the morning. And basically, that's when they get off, off to work and, and get on their day or, you know, drop the kids off to school and so on. And I thought to myself when I had that feedback from a couple of dealers was, you know, how important it is to try and space out those arrival times of the customers to a service uh, to your service department in the morning, so you can spend that magic seven minutes um, with your customers. So um, that that was really great. And the part stuff, well, they just talk about they spoke talk, spoke about turnover and turning over two million bucks in parts, and they had five vehicles on the road and so on. So just the real basic stuff with parts. So that took us up to about lunchtime at this dealership. So they sat us down in the showroom and they said, look, sit down. We're going to serve your lunch. You're our guest. Guests, we're going to do it Texas style. Um, and that was you know, really great. But the part that blew me away was they said, because you're our guest, we don't want you getting up and serving yourself. We're going to come around. Our manager's got to come around. They're going to take your drink order and they're going to get your food and they're going to serve you where you're sitting. So the managers come around and took our drink order and that there was no beers or anything like that, but you know, just soft drinks and things like that. And then they brought all that out. Then they brought the food out, which was you know, typical, just imagine Texas ribs and steaks and all that, which is awesome. Like we're really spoiled. But the takeaway for me was that the, the, the sales managers aren't too precious to get out on the floor and serve people. Now, whether that was serving us, or serving a guest when they come in to look at buying a car, you could just see they were just motivated to, to get involved. And again, it wasn't fake, it was genuine. They had smiles on their face and they really enjoyed, you know, doing that. And that was evident of, you know, uh, feedback from everyone after that. So that took us to about one or two o'clock. After that, we all jumped on the coach and I thought, great, let's get back to Dallas. It was about a 45 minute drive um, back to uh, the hotel there. And they um, they announced that Charlie wants to take us take everybody to his ranch to his personal private home. So we drive ten minutes up to this ranch. It was t- t- on ten acres, and he took us all for his. Um, he had horses. His wife loves horses, and took us all for the, the, the stables and and um, there was a dressage arena and so on. But again, he didn't have to do that. It was genuine. He wasn't showing off. Very down to earth bloke. He said, "I come from uh, no money." I'm a city guy. My wife was a country girl. She was with me when I didn't have any money and now I've got a bit of money. Um, I thought I'd spend it on something she loves, which is these million-dollar horse stables, right? But the guy was just so genuine. But, mate, he did not have to go out of his way. And um, they didn't rush us through it. We were there for about an hour and so on. But And then after that, we just headed back to the hotel. But uh, the reason I wanted to elaborate a fair bit on that was the guy that owned the dealership was really genuine. He got down there with the troops and helped share the load. Um, he does do the meet and greets. He does do the extra little things. It does matter. He definitely does lead by example. His staff turnover is minimal. Um, a lot of people in the town want to work for him. It's not a massive town, but they want to want to work at Southwest Ford. And it's just another message for me that you know running water does flow downhill. And the reason his staff had that genuine interaction with us and that culture was at that level and the DNA throughout the dealership, sales service parts and other staff there was definitely genuine was because it comes from the guy that owns owns the dealership. So look, 
that was really cool. So um, next day we went to um, NADA, Dallas Convention Center, just massive, um, just typical American concrete um, uh, convention center. They had all the workshops there. So look, they had a lot of workshops running um, consecutively. So we jumped straight in. So one is always near dear to our heart, like we're Total Selling Solutions. We're experts in how to handle phone calls. And so there was a course on coaching your sales teams how to handle their sales calls better. So what better course for the TSS people to see, um, are we up to speed? Is there anything we're missing? Is there anything we can bring back and share with um, you know all, all the dealers that we know? So we did this course, went for about an hour. There's about 100 people in the room. Again, round tables, take notes, et cetera, et cetera. So a female trainer got up there and she was talking about um, staff and your dealerships. And um, the takeaways from that was she opened the session up with um, her number one question was, do your, do your teams have a solid phone process that everybody follows? Do your teams, uh, are they consistent in the way they're handling calls? And are they clear on what they need to be doing when they take a call? And she was referring to service and sales inquiries, so service bookings and sales inquiries. Next thing she touched on was, are your calls measured? So do you know how many calls are coming into your business and what the breakdown is for each franchise, how many uh, sales calls is each franchise getting and how many service booking calls are your service departments getting every day? Specifically with sales that we know, like when it's a bit slow that um, all the numbers aren't going up on the board, everyone's first offense in sales is, look, it's a bit slow, we're not getting much inquiry. Having a measurement on how much phone inquiry you got coming in it's your first pushback with the sales team and go, well, it's not that quiet because we've had, you know, over 150 inquiries this month and we're only three quarters of the way through. And I've checked the logs and there's still 70 of those inquiries that are still open, haven't been closed out, or haven't been followed up. So that's a great tool that if you can pull that lever straight away, if you can put your finger on the button, go bam, boom, this is how much inquiry we've had. That's a really, real powerful tool for you. Next thing she touched on was, you know, are your calls measured? So do you know how well you, your um, your teams are qualifying, focusing on the customer's needs um, and how often and what their ratios are for asking for an appointment and actually getting that appointment? We know here in Australia that if we're doing a great job, we're still going to fail 70% of the time. So we're going to get about 30% appointments first time around on the first call. We're going to fail about 70%. So... What are we doing about that failure rate in terms of follow-up, capturing, management getting involved to help uh, salvage those customers that we didn't uh, appoint first time round? And service, we make a service booking only 86% of the time. 14% of the guests don't book straight away. Maybe they've got a ring back, don't have all the info. They're shopping around on price, which feedback I'm getting from the Aussie uh, service advisors is there are more and more people each and every day that are shopping around for service quotes. Uh, then she went on to, are your managers replaying calls? And I know when I was a salesperson, if I heard a, my manager replaying a call, that would have a big effect on me. And I'd go in the manager's office and talk about that client that, it, that they're on the call, uh, about the call that they're replaying, and um, you know, try and work out a way that sort of, you know, we can get that customer to come in and you know, at least look at a car and hopefully buy a car. So. Boom, she was focused on, okay, your calls are recorded, but how often do your managers replay the calls? And you can, can you tell how many calls are replayed? 
So I thought that was that was a really real important thing. And um, then she spoke about focusing on the key areas that most impact customers when they ring your business is number one, your team's understanding your customers' needs. Uh, the second thing was uh, building trust and also tied to the back of building trust is respect. And that's both ways for the sales or service advisor and the customer. The number one way we do do that is by uh, qualifying. So slowing down, asking those open-ended questions and we'd start with who, what, when, where, how, and why. And even while I'm broadcasting this podcast, I'm going through this info, I'm thinking, this sounds really basic. This sounds really simple, but we all know that the simple things are the, really the hardest things to do. And we went to another two workshops after this. And again, it was all about focusing on the basics. And I think we've gotten too far away. We've gotten too fancy. We're looking for the silver bullet. Um, we're just doing things, you know, um, all online and so on. And, and I think we're missing the point was, is our business is a very simple business. It revolves around people. So that's whether it's your customers um, or, your, or your staff in your dealership. If we're investing in both as managers and dealership and business owners, it's going to come back to you three and fourth fold. So the whole message I got from all the workshops I did, they weren't trying to sell anything, any fancy programs or anything like this. It was just the basics. Are your calls recorded? Do you know what happened with the call? Are they getting followed up on? Um, and are we, are we building trust with our customers? So that was what we got from um, are your teams handling um, inquiries well? Uh, we did another couple of courses and it was based around um, coaching, coaching your people. And they were talking about staff retention. So in the US, there's about a million people that are employed in the automotive industry. And last year they had 46% turnover on staff. So it was about 460,000 people that turned over in the US in dealerships. Now, I don't think Australia was as big as that, but it could have been in the 30s or Maybe you're a dealer out there saying, hang on, well, it's a bit bit more in our business. And I think also COVID definitely had a big effect on that. Once we came out of it, people rethought their position, definitely over in the US, and um, they went to different roles and, and, and different industries. So the, the speaker was talking about the stats, like what are the stats? If, if you have someone employed at your business for a short time, medium time, or just say they're in senior management and they leave, what does it really cost you? So they broke it down and what they found was um, for an entry level employee in terms of turnover for you the next year, what you're going to miss out on, you're going to miss on th out on 30 to 50% turnover that, that um, uh, you know, entry level employee would have helped you turn in your business. For a mid-level, say a, a sales manager, that sort of thing, a 2IC, um, it's about 150% of their turnover that you're going to miss out. And for a high... A uh, highly skilled person, the executive, that type of person, it's around a three hundred and four hundred, three to four hundred thousand in per, uh, turnover. Um, so think about that. So three hundred to four hundred percent in turnover that you're going to miss out. So he started those stats to try and build a compelling case. So like why you spent should spend more time with your t current teams, why you should reinvest with the with, with the current personnel that you've got. And I think just even based on the fact that if you're if you have an entry level person, maybe a trainee or a basic salesperson, if you lose them, you're gonna lose 50% turnover when that person leaves. So 
I thought, well, okay, this is a good workshop. I'm interested. I'm engaged. And they were covering off on, first of all, not being reactive in your business. We've all seen the time management module. The more we invest in uh, the things that aren't important, the, the less time we'll have to work in the things that are urgent down the track. Because if we're working on the important things now, there's going to be less urgent things that happen tomorrow, next week, next month. So they said a quick synopsis, how to think of your last six months. Have you found yourself counselling a lot of your people? You know, sitting them down, uh, talking through you know, problems that happened and how we can avoid them next time. Or um, in the sales world, like people walking out of a dealership or calls not getting handled properly. Are we counselling our people there? And they said, uh, if, you're canc- if you're finding yourself that you're um, counselling people, you're working in the reactive zone. Okay, you're reacting to problems, you're reacting to situations that are coming up and you're trying to solve the puzzle, put the patchwork on it. They said you need to flip it around 180 degrees and you need to become more of a coach. And when you're coaching, uh, I thought this was really great. They made it so simplistic. They said when you're coaching, you're being proactive. Simple as that. So if you're counselling your staff, you're being reactive to situations that have already happened, that have already passed, the damage is already done. You're in um, clawback mode, right? You're in uh, repair mode, if you like. If you're coaching your teams, you're in proactive mode. There's no problem at the moment. There's no repair that needs to be done. So I thought that was a great way to do it. So just have a think about while you're listening to this podcast, how are you supporting your teams? Are Are you more a counselor? Are your managers more counsellors or are they more coaches? I thought that was a great way to have it put to me because it just sounded so simplistic. So then they went through and they spoke about three different types of um, employees' engagement. So the three different types are unengaged uh, employees, disengaged employees, and engaged employees. So if I started probably... Uh, one of the worst ones, which is unengaged employees. And again, think of some people in your business. Uh, they're labelled, uh, they're the people that aren't passionate about their work, you know, but just mosey on and, and just going through the, through the motions. And I think a really good telltale sign if you've got someone who's unengaged is those people that just do what's required and they're not going for the extra mile. So they're the unengaged ones. Then you've got disengaged employees. These are the ones that are gone, all right? These are the ones that don't care at all. You can tell by the look on their face, the shoulders are shrugged, they're dragging their feet on the, on the ground. And a way to tell a telltale sign for these guys is they challenge the status quo in your dealership. They challenge any, anything new, anything you want to change to improve. They're the ones always challenging everything. They are disengaged. So the ones that don't go the extra mile, but they're doing the job okay, they're unengaged. The ones that challenge the status quo, you can tell that by what they're, what they're verbalising, they're disengaged. Now, the great ones, the ones you want, the ones you want to build, and your coaching will definitely help this, is engaged employees. They've got an emotional commitment to what you want. They've got an emotional commitment to what your customers' needs are. And you you can just tell the way they engage with your customers. They are going the extra mile um, and they're doing what it takes to, you know, uh, help build the teamwork and the camaraderie in the the department. And they care about their career, okay? So have a think about your teams. Who's engaged, then who's disengaged and who's unengaged, okay? 
They ran a, um, the, uh, a Gallup poll um, over in the US, and what they found was overall 85% of employees are not engaged or disengaged. And what it broke down to was 51% of those people, they're currently active looking for a new position or they're open to offers from other competitors in the market. Like, reality is some people do have to go, but there's some people that are looking to go because they're not getting the support. They're not feeling the love from management. They're not being coached. Their career path has, they can't see what their career path's going to be. So um, breaking it down a lot, why should you coach instead of counsel? Well, here's the reason, okay? Uh, when you coach your staff, your sales increase. They increase by about between 10 and 19%. So if you're looking for more volume and you're looking for more service bookings, um, look, looking to sell more cars, and I know we're in a changing market, coaching will definitely lift. A minimum of 10% for that individual, up to about 19%. Their profit will also increase by up to 30% more, more gross. So if you're looking for more gross, your coaching is going to help that. The guest experience will improve by around about 8% because your staff are obviously more engaged. Um, so look, that was some, some great reasons just off the bat. And then if you break that down in, in sales, there, the in closing ratios are going to improve by about 15%. Your staff self-confidence is going to come up. It's going to, it actually nearly doubles. Um, their relationships internally in your dealership is, will be improved by about 50% how they manage their business within a business is improved by over 61%. Their time management improves, it actually doubles because they're moving around, they're more organized, so they're gonna be doing things more efficiently. And their overall team performance, um, if you get everyone engaged, it improves by about 51%. So I think they were some really great um, bits of information we took out of, out of why should I be a coach? You know, I'll pay people to turn up the work, I pay in commission. Why can't they just do the job? Well, you know what? People are people. They want to feel the love. They want to feel a need and they want to feel valued. So tip from me is just do a little bit of a, a, a check on how you and your managers are, you know, coaching your staff. Uh, and the other thing is too, by the way, if you're coaching, they say there's a 93% less turnover rate of your staff. So if you're, if you're turning over, say, 35% today, if all your managers um, start coaching more, that 35% should get down under 20 uh, within a couple of months. So if you're looking for less staff turnover, have a think first about, have a think about how well are we coaching or are we doing a bit of bushfire management? That is the counseling side. And if you are, you can flip it around today <clears throat> when you're back in your businesses by getting that coaching message back up. Um, so look, uh, there's just upside, upside, upside on you know, coaching your staff. So some other takeouts, just a, a bit of a summary, and we're winding up here, is that I thought it was interesting that the US car market is about 17.5 million cars a year. They only had 15 million cars to supply uh, customers last year, just like in Australia. We had a shortage, so obviously grosses were up. Here's something really interesting for you. Uh, um, in the US last year, in 2022, those 15 million cars were sold they actually sold for an average of 104% above list price. So not only did we enjoy great grosses here, they definitely enjoyed awesome grosses in the US by about another 4% above list. And when you think about in normal times, 
Uh, we've got to do deals. You know, I don't know, what are we on the list? 10%, 15%, maybe a bit more than that. So over a 20% turnaround. Um, now, no doubt the OEMs are looking at that. No, they'd love to have a bit more gross in there and their vehicles and they're looking at ways to do that. Um, bit of EV news, people always ask me, what's happening in the US? Like, what's their market like in terms of EVs? Well, here it is. Only 7.1% of cars that are sold in the US are EV vehicles. Now, those vehicles are a bit distorted and they're a bit deceptive because 20% of the EV mar uh, cars that are sold are actually sold in California. And when you look at all the states, there's over 50 states around the US, right? Uh, it's like 0.7% in Missouri, you know, 1% of cars in Texas are sold that are EVs. And it's 1%, 1.2, little bits and pieces all around. But California had the lion's share. And I don't know if it's because they've got extra incentives there or what, or they're just, um, you know, a bit more up, up to date um, in terms of buy, buying EV, EVs. And um, interestingly enough, like when I spoke to that guy at Southwest Ford, he's got uh, four Mustangs he can't even open the door on. Um, there's still a lot of problems with public charging stations uh, that you've got to join up with memberships. It's a clunky way to do it. There's no Wi-Fi available to join up. So you don't have, you know, 4G over there. Or if you don't have a mobile phone, it makes it super hard to join, join up. It's expensive to join. It's complicated. It's a bit difficult sometimes finding a charging station or, you know, getting to a, a, a power supply. Um, the, 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 the other thing was that, the, in terms of complaints back from people that were trying to charge their vehicles, here's a list of complaints, okay? Um, here's a funny one. Cord was too short, didn't reach the, um, the charger um, or, the, or the vehicle. Um, the payment system failed when they activated their card or their app. It didn't work, so payment system failure. Uh, error message on the vehicle screens so that stopped them from recharging. Connector was broken uh, on the adapter, the plug-in to the, to the vehicle. Overall, 20% of um, recharges fail. So, well, if we're charging Monday through to Friday, that means one day you're not going to be able to do it. So, uh, gee, that's not a group, real great thing for electric vehicles. And the hydrogen message is still out there and it's live and living and, and, and pretty strong. So, uh, in terms of sales, sales, they're talking about supply versus demand um, is still going to be quite high. So, we still feel that grosses are going to be high, but um, I think it's going to be a little bit harder in Australia because talking to a lot of different franchises, they're getting stock. Uh, I was at a Honda dealership the other day. If you know about Honda, they're on an agency model, uh, but they're pushing a lot of cars to sit at dealerships now, so they're having troubles uh, moving stock. So stock's starting to build up in different brands, and I know Toyota's still hard to get. You know, you're 12 months out, but. There are brands out, brands out there. Mitsubishi, there seems to be a supply out there. VW, there seems to be a supply. So it's a bit of a mixed market. So I don't know about grocers. I think they're going to change a little bit. And um, the word is out there, you know, let's get focused back on our used car departments. Um, that's where our grocers are going to, are going to uh, hold up. So uh, there's also a greater focus on the guest experience. And I'm talking about selling cars online. They still can't move the needle on it. Um, only up to 20% of cars are sold online. Um, the majority of people, over 80%, still want to come in the showroom, have that showroom experience, talk to a salesperson. Because obviously it's a big investment, they want to see it, smell it, touch it, and sit in the car and have a drive. Um, the biggest difference in dealership to dealership was team culture. That was the number one thing. 
the biggest biggest differentiator in dealerships is team uh, team culture, and they spoke, spoke about how it helps sell more cars, it helps uh, helps the grocer stay up, and a big thing it helps retain the staff. Um, which connected back to that other workshop I spoke about. If we're coaching our staff, we've got a ninety percent higher retention rate on people that would normally leave our dealerships. So dealerships were looking um, uh, into training and career mapping out the career for their um, for their team members, so they can see what the long picture is and uh, what the investment is in them, how they're going to improve, and um, they're looking at also ways to renew and reinforce their sales teams because with people leaving, um, we've got to have you know different ways to sort of get new, new teams come on board. So I hope that's ringing home with you. If you listen to this driving driving to work or you're watching on screen in, in, in your showrooms. Um, with service, it was all about better and tr more transparent communication with the guests when they come in. And that was spending about seven minutes with the guest um, and educating them about their car and what, you know, what they should be looking at with their car going forward. Not necessarily, not necessarily what they've got to change today, but hey, this is a bit worn, but it's probably gonna last you another 12 months. So building that trust with the guests when they when they come in. Um, with the team, they spoke about when you're hiring, I look for the three C's. They, yeah, they love those little catch cries, you know. So the three C's is work on, uh, focus on the character of the person that you're recruiting. Focus on the chemistry. Do you have a bit of a chemistry with that person? Is this someone you'd like to go to? The, if you went to a barbecue and bumped in that person, would you be more in, time, in tune to sort of spend half an hour having a chat? Are they interesting enough? Or would you sort of, you know, uh, you know, move along after a couple of minutes? So have you got that chemistry? Would your team have your chemistry with that person? And think about their competency. You know, what are they like? What have they been like in their previous roles? Was there some progression? So did they start as a junior in their previous roles? And did they sort of maybe work to a mid-range employee or a higher-range employee? Because that shows that they can take on board new ideas and develop themselves as well. So there you have it. That was the three C's. Look at the character, look at the chemistry, and look at the competency of that person. And that will help you assemble the right team, connect with your team, and um, yeah, help build the, the right team for your business. Because you don't want you want you don't want people just to come in to survive the next day. Um, you know, you don't want it to be mundane for them. You want people that are going to work towards a plan, and I think that'll rub off on other team members. Um, it's definitely going to rub off on people, on your customers when they come in to your business or your customers when they call your business. Um, and I'm just thinking about some dealership visits I've done here in Australia. Um, I was just in Brisbane last week, and I can tell you that the, the guest experience is alive and well in most dealerships I've been into. And, and I noticed because I walk into a dealership and I'm, I get meted and greeted pretty much right away. And not everyone knows, you know, who we are and what we do. And I'll say, oh, I'm looking for this person. And they go, yep, okay, come with me, I'll take you. And I think that's going to take me to reception or, or whatever. But they'll take me through, you know, um, through a showroom, through a doorway, up some stairs and whatever, and hand me over to that person, which I think, you know, they've gone out of their way now. It's only like 40 seconds out of the way, but they don't really have to do that. But how many times have you been in a business and you've asked for, to see someone or you asked, you know, where is this department? 
and the person turns around and they point, they go, oh, it's over that way. You just go through here and go through there and you'll see them, you know, in that office. So it's those little one percenters, the things that don't cost you any money, uh, that do have a great um, impression on people that come into your business, whether you're a supplier or whether they're a customer coming in, probably doesn't really matter. You know, it should be consistent. That's what we're looking for. You don't want to hear the excuse that, oh yeah, I didn't worry about that guy because he's only a supplier, you know. You want to see a consistent approach throughout your business. And the last thing I want to leave you with was to hit us with this one. They said, ask your team, are you are you are you busy today or are you are you being effective? And what are your three um, top priorities for today? And um, make sure your team can identify what their three are today and make sure they're focused on being effective because we've always we've always got someone in our business we when we talk to them about you know what are their goals for today what are they doing they go oh man i'm just busy you know what are you busy doing i'm just flat out you know didn't have lunch till three o'clock yesterday i'm just catching up you know i've got so much on the go but just busy being busy if we can somehow work with that person coach that person get them to identify their goal which is what are your three top uh priorities today Great. Okay, I want you to at least do that first priority. Even if you only get that done today, complete it 100%. Okay, we're going to be one full step forward with that person. And that investment will pay you dividends back. And it's not just saying that team members, you know, they're not great or they're not good. or I don't really see that, you know, I don't see it in that person. I don't want to invest the time. At some point in some time, yourself or one of your managers interview and recruit that person so you did see something at the recruitment time so it's no use just letting them die on the vine it's either train them and and, and, and improve them and if they don't improve after we train and coach them then hand on heart you've done everything you can then move them on so are your staff being busy are your staff being effective are you coaching being proactive or are you counseling being reactive if you walked up to any team member today and asked them, what are your three top priorities? Could they identify those and tell you what they are? Are they clear on what they could most affect today? I hope you enjoyed the NADA wrap up. And that was just a quick summary. We are pushing a lot of information out there about NADA. Um, I know it's on again next year. It'd be great to join up with everyone else and go over there as a big group. Um, you're definitely going to get a lot of value out of that. We went to AADA group and they looked after us at the study tour. We had to pay a bit of coin to go on there, but you know what? It was an investment. I'm still talking about it after I come back and I'm still sharing those ideas and you can do that same thing with your sales service and parts team. Hopefully you can go out, uh, come along to the 2024 um, NAD tour with um, the AADA group. So I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I hope you get a lot of value on it. Ask your team, what are your three top priorities? And I look forward to seeing everyone again on our, um, on our next podcast next week. So um, looking forward to catching up with everyone then. If you like this episode, leave us a review on the streaming platform you've listened on. And if you want to see more, follow us at Total Selling Solutions on all platforms.